The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, kids, let's travel the world together. She can make it easy and in any kind of weather. No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down. She's talking from the skies and sending lives a feel good sounds. Oh, Betty in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt. Betty and the Jets. Oh, she's weird and wonderful. Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen. She's wearing high heel shoes, got her wings on too. You know I never seen a better stew. Oh, Betty and the Jets. Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. This episode, I have quite a few stories from my recent trip to the Cook Islands, uh, Rarotonga and Atutaki. Uh, the music for this episode is sort of a sound-seeing tour. I forget what listener told me that that's actually what it's supposed to be called, a sound-seeing tour. <laughs> I recorded music uh, at church, actually went to church, because <laughs> uh, it's really a big thing there. They're very uh, into religion, and they get all dressed up and wear hats, and they are really into the singing in church, and they have some good acoustics. They have some very exuberant singing. <laughs> so I got some music from church, and then there was a concert, two different uh local groups singing, and uh, some other sounds from the Cook Islands. And then I have some stories I recorded actually in country, along with some normal, for betting the sky with a suitcase, airline stories. We have two in-flight emergencies, some guard roosters, a lot of crabs, uh, some skinny dumpster diving flight attendants, and a fat lady. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to I wasn't sure where I was going on my November trip, and I kept changing my mind. And when I was telling people, uh, when I'd pretty much decided I was going to the Cook Islands, Rarotonga, Natutaki, uh, I I would say to the pilots, uh, and the pilots who are, you know, historically very good at geography, you know, because they have to be. And a lot of them have been, uh, at least our pilots have been in the military. So, you know, they, they've been around a lot of interesting places in the world. But even the pilots, when I said, oh, I'm going to Rarotonga, they'd go, uh, where? <laughs> they almost hated to admit, but they're like, uh, where's that? Uh, just about all the pilots I said that to didn't know where it was. And uh, one guy goes, uh, I mean, in uh, Honduras, I think he was thinking I was saying uh, Roatan, not Rarotonga. <laughs> Which is very different, you know, Central America and uh, the South Pacific. So then, you know, I'm in the process right before my trip where there's always a lot to do. A lot, a lot to do before and after a trip. And uh, I like to let my uh, 
credit cards know where I'm traveling because if you don't, sometimes they'll think someone has stolen your credit card and then shut it off and then you can't, you know, and you can't use the ATM. It's a real problem when you don't have any access to cash. So I always, just a couple credit cards and uh, debit cards, I will call and tell them. And some of them have automated systems, you know, the automated voice. And uh, <laughs> I'm talking to the computer voice for one of my credit cards and uh, they're like, you know, give them the dates and then they say, where will you be traveling? And I say, the Cook Islands. And they say, please state a country. I'm like, the Cook Islands. And they're like, please state a country name. I'm like, Cook Islands. <laughs> it's like, no, the computer doesn't know that. <laughs> you know, you're going someplace uh, unusual when the computer can't recognize it. And also, like if I was writing an email, it would also autocorrect uh, Rarotonga, like basically saying, you know, that's not a word. And same with Dutch <laughs> Even the computers don't know about Rarotonga. So what happened? Let's start. We were flying from Moscow to New York. And uh, on the way, or up in the air, about halfway, a woman started complaining of chest pains. And so we... Which it is scary. Uh, so we diverted to Reykjavik, Iceland, which I had never landed there before. It was a desolate, windy Yeah, but that's exciting to see. Yes, it really was. It, on a plane full of drunk Russian men, <laughs> she was the, one of the only women in the back. And maybe that's why she was having chest pains. I don't know. But uh, so we landed, and uh, two uniformed men in orange jumpsuits got on the plane and, you know, very quickly uh, took her off and escorted her off the plane. So we kept these Russian men all drunk, you know, uh, kind of contained. Thank you. And finally, I was out in the jetway, and the captain called for me. He said, it's time to go. We've refueled. And uh, all of a sudden, I looked down the jetway, and there was the same woman who was supposedly at death's door doing jumping jacks, uh, wanting to be let through this glass door. She's doing jumping jacks? Oh, she was jumping up and down and waving her arms. She really want to get left on... Right. Well, the Icelandic uh, government had informed her what a night in an Icelandic hospital costs, and she decided that she felt just fine. <laughs> she so was miraculously captain, healed. Right. So I told the captain this, and he looked at me. He's a very nice man, and he said, you realize how many, several thousand dollars it cost for us to divert here? He said, I can't let her back on and just take off as if nothing happened. So we left this poor Russian woman who, I mean, I'm sure had never even been outside of Russia before, standing in an Icelandic jetway. So that's my story. <laughs> I like to record a few things in country. And right now, I just hiked up to the highest point, uh, Atutaki. It's a beautiful island in the Cook Islands. and. Uh, sounds windy it's because it's uh very tropical and uh, it's the highest point i'm gonna walk over to the other side so uh maybe you can hear me slightly better actually it won't take me very long to walk to the other side <laughs> and the other side is facing this ridiculously pretty blue lagoon i think it's one of the prettiest places i've ever seen in my entire life atutaki and uh there's no, there's like no crime here. It's funny, I rented a bicycle. They call it a push bike here, not a motorbike. And uh, I asked the guy, I said, um, 
well, where's the lock? Because, you know, I was going to be taking it all over the island. He's just left. He's like, <laughs> there's no thieves here. And I was thinking, gosh, is there still a place in the world where there's no thieves? Uh, so refreshing. And then uh, I took the bike the first time and I, I was just biking by some people's houses and there was this little girl uh, walking on stilts. Do you guys even remember stilts? It's just like two big long sticks <laughs> with some posts so you can walk like you're really tall. And I remember using stilts when I was at camp. Um, it's so strange, really. We forget those simple toys, you know, with the, in the world of iPods and iPads and i-everything. Uh, the simple toys just get lost. And in a place like this, in Atutaki, uh, they still exist. And uh, the internet's very expensive here. So even if they had an iPad, they would rarely be able to use it it's just too expensive um so then I biked a little bit further and uh, went past the airport <laughs> it's a really cute airport there's no security here by the way nothing no um there's no such thing <laughs> that's refreshing too it's kind of like flying private and you don't even have to show your passport they just ask you your name that's it <laughs> Anyway, I was driving on my push bike to the airport and there were these people sitting there, a group of them, maybe 10. And uh, it's a Sunday and I was like, hey, are you guys waiting for someone? I thought maybe it was a welcome committee. Again, I'm thinking, how refreshing. And they're like, no, we're protesting. And I was like, really? I wandered on a local protest. <laughs> and they said, yes, they They've been protesting for seven years that they don't want flights on Sunday because they're um, Christian and, and Catholic and here. And it's one of the first islands in the Cook Islands that uh, Christianity came to. And they think that, you know, Sunday is a day of rest and there shouldn't be flights. So they protest every Sunday. They've been out there every Sunday for seven years. <laughs> for some reason, I found that refreshing, too. You know, like that something like that could be so important to you. And it's obviously very important to them. And uh, I'm at the top of this. I don't think you could call it a mountain, but I'm at the top of the island. I'm going to try to take some uh, Christmas card photos. Don't know if they'll turn out. Then I'm going to go snorkeling. Then I'm going to ride my bike into town for lunch. Probably do some more swimming and snorkeling in the afternoon. Gosh, what a idyllic day here in Atutaki. So we're coming out of Georgetown, going to New York, and uh, I feel us going down. I feel my ears popping, so I start walking up front, and the captain calls, say, "Hey." Uh, we lost cabin uh, pressurization. Your mask may or may not fall. So, okay, great, great. 30 seconds later, you know, the, all the masks are falling. You see, through the cabin, one, two, three, and you see everybody thinking, uh, I'm supposed to do something yes. with that. Well, because they never think they're going to have to do it. Nobody thinks they're going to do anything. But this lady comes running down the aisle and says, My child, my child, my child. Because the mask didn't drop on the oh. seat. The mother or the child is right behind the mother. I say, Mommy, mommy. So we set them down at. Uh, one one B and one C because we're in the seven five, but we so we divert. Well, on the way down to San Juan, Hurricane Irene just pulled through, oh and we ended up having two seizures actually on the plane while that while that was going on. 
So you had a decompression and two, two seizures. seizures and yeah. So that was the fun too. And a mommy mommy. And a mommy mommy. <laughs> yeah. That was it. I've been to a lot of places with coconuts, but I've never heard this story. You're saying that the the coconut won't hit you on the head if it falls? In history, in history in the Pacific, it's, the dry coconut won't fall on the head. And for, it, for how long has coconuts not hit people in the head? It's in the olden days, when our grand-grandfather, when over here in the Pacific, it's not happened. It's not happened. So when the coconut falls, it doesn't hit you on the head? Why? Uh, they say if uh, fall on the head, it's something wrong. You get cursed the, in the olden days. Like you get cursed. You're doing something wrong in the family. Or things. So you like... I believe that. If you've done a crime, it'll hit you on the head. Did you say... Uh, not, not a crime. Not a crime. Like you do something wrong like your family things. Oh. Yeah. It's uh, maybe you're stealing the money for the family or like in the community. That can be happening. Wait, wait, but you said something about the coconut has an eye? Does that mean so it knows where it's going? That's what they're saying. The coconut has got a high because it can be fall. They thought it's going to hit your head, but not. It can be on your shoulder. It might hit you on the shoulder, yeah. but not on the head. Not on the head. And you're, you're, what you're telling me, though, is that in a long time, there has not been a coconut no, hit someone. Never, never been. You believe this too? It sounds good enough to me to um, <laughs> concur on that statement, and I believe it one hundred percent. Because for myself, um, there's times where we go into the um, jungle, like we like to call, even though it's not a yeah. jungle, where you're going to find lions and all that sort of thing. But in the forest, we call it in the forest yeah. sort of thing, and we have this um, uh, food source, which is the um, land crabs. So we actually go inside there to. To hunt them down, right. and um, it's multitude of um, um, coconut? crabs, land crabs, and yeah. coconut trees as well. And it's and they don't hit you never, never ever happened to us, even though it could be as windy as any uh, windy as a hurricane sort of thing. But no, we've never wow. come across a. It's interesting. Even in a cyclone, the coconut won't hit you in the head. A tree can crash on the, on the house, but not hit the, the people. Really? Wow. Well, I really loved that story uh, from the local guy. That guy was actually from Fiji, so it could be a Fijian story. But uh, he was saying that I, I love the idea that the coconut has an eye, and it looks and purposely doesn't hit you on the head, you know, like that they're nice coconuts. <laughs> but I did a little research. I thought maybe I can I can find, I was like Googling uh, coconut eye legends, South Pacific coconut eye, don't hit you in the head. <laughs> I didn't, I couldn't find anything, even though he was sure that no one had died from getting hit in the head with a coconut, that they would hit you in the shoulder, but not the head. And so I did some more research and uh, I, I found some things that say that uh, 150 people die a year from falling coconuts and that you're 30 times more likely to die from a coconut than a shark and that one coconut tree can produce like 200 coconuts and coconut trees can grow to 60 feet high and so that uh, and a one coconut can weigh several pounds so you know that 
that falling coconut at uh, from 60 feet above can be uh, dangerous. And uh, let's hope that the coconuts have an eye and purposely don't want to hit us in the head. <laughs> let's hope. Right before I went to the Cook Islands, I actually am a big fan of coconuts, not just when I'm traveling or, you know, anywhere. So I was in Amsterdam and at the grocery store and they had a cut up fresh coconut and I love to buy that. It's like a euro and it's uh, it's delicious and it travels really well. But what uh, it had, you know, the Dutch language on the package and it's called uh, Coco Snoot. <laughs> It sounds so unappetizing. Coco Snoot. Actually, I'm just guessing that it's Coco Snoot. It could be Coco Snot, which sounds even worse. Can't wait to get some Coco Snot. was in a van with some people from another airline, another airline that had gone through some very, very rough times financially. And they were saying at one point, the company, their company had put out a flyer with tips uh, to save money because they were having such a hard time financially. And one of the tips was that the flight attendants should not be above dumpster diving. They should not be ashamed to dumpster dive. This was actually printed. And another thing was uh, that everyone should lose weight because then they would save money on fuel. So uh, you'd have some uh, skinnier dumpster diving flight attendants to help save the company. So what happened? Did you, and it was turbulent? When it was, it got a little bumpy. She was kind of a rather large lady. Probably really large, right? Large enough where maybe only one cheek sat <laughs> on the chair. This was a large cheek. The other cheek was hang suspending in the midair. And then we had a really hard landing. And what was so funny, she ended up reaching over and she was so wide she was holding on to the other guy's armrest on the other side. So across the aisle. Across the aisle. <laughs> so the other cheek made it the whole way across the aisle. Yes. <laughs> I rented a bike, an Atutaki, and it was just nice to be able to get around because uh, there's no public transportation or anything, and there's very few vehicles on the road. Some of the roads are paved, but a lot of them are just dirt roads. Uh, I was staying on the paved part of the road. And uh, I also, at first I was like hesitant to ride the bike at night. And then I realized, oh, there's nobody on the road <laughs> anyway. So I think it's fine. I think it's pretty safe. Actually, there were more crabs on the road than vehicles. I was there uh, right around the full moon. And uh, one of the local uh, people, were they were telling me that uh, Around the full moon, these land crabs, which are big crabs, you know, like eight inches across, they could probably get to be much bigger than that. But the ones I were seeing were like maybe a foot across. I mean, big crabs. <laughs> and at first, I, I wasn't sure why there were so many crabs on the road. And I had ridden my bike to this uh, the boat shed. It was a good restaurant bar. And uh, I told the lady, I said, um, that she came over to take my order. And I'm like, man, there are all these all these crabs on the road. I mean, I said, I think I might have seen like 85 of them on the way here. And I said, at one point, I, I saw like a like a herd of like 30 crabs. And she was very interested. 
<laughs> and she was like, really? The crabs are out? They're out already? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, uh, um, hold on. And she left and made a phone call. And she came back and told me, she goes, I went and called some of my friends and said, hey, the crabs are out. Go get them. <laughs> they, 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 uh, the crabs, apparently, then she was telling me, they come out around the full moon and the day before the full moon and they carry the babies in their claws and they, they're crossing the road. I was kind of like, why are the crabs crossing the road? <laughs> it's like to get to the other side where the beach is. And uh, they have their babies in their, in their claws and they go cross the road and they go down the beach and they she said they shake the babies out in the ocean and then if they survive they survive and then they go back to the forest across the road so you know it's like a crab migration once a month and then the local people love this because it's so much easier to go collect crabs on the road than have to go into the forest to find them so <laughs> she's like making a phone call hey get out there get those crabs and meanwhile, I, on the other hand, I was driving with a flashlight in my hand, giggling, thinking uh, I was holding the flashlight and holding the handlebar at the same time and just weaving in and out of these crabs. <laughs> I just love moments like that, dodging crabs on the road at night on Atutaki in the Cook Islands in the South Pacific. But anyway, then uh, the next day, I was still thinking about the crabs and talking about the crabs. There's a lot of crab talk on my trip. And uh, I was asking them, I'm like, uh, oh, so how do you guys cook the crabs? And they said they cook them in the coconut milk. Sounds good, actually. And uh, then we got it started talking. And, and uh, the lady I was talking to was like, you know, even if you don't have hardly any money on this island, Atutaki, uh, you can eat very well. And that's such a strange foreign concept to us in the, you know, civilized world that you don't have to pay for food and she's like yeah you know the the crabs are delicious and they're huge and you know they just cross the road she goes we go out there with like a um pillowcase or a sack and put it full of these crabs and then the coconut is free it falls from the trees and uh there's you know lots of fruit there's mangoes and papayas and uh it's almost ridiculously easy to fish because there's so much fish there and uh, that's pretty much free you have to put a little work into it and then the other thing I had already asked because there's all these chickens there were chickens at the airport there were chickens everywhere I went I'd, I'd go lots of lots of the restaurants were sort of like people's houses with a picnic table in the back and I'd be sitting at a picnic table and the chickens would be coming up on the seats of the picnic table there's just chickens everywhere and uh more chickens than people definitely more crabs than people and uh i asked a, a guy at the hotel i'm like uh whose chickens are they and he's like whose chickens they're nobody's chickens they're wild chickens and i'm like so they're not like somebody's they don't have like he's like what like a little bracelet around their their, their leg i'm like no he's like no they're anybody's chickens no they're anyone's chickens and i said so anyone can just go catch a chicken and eat it and he's like yeah he goes but most of us uh think it's easier just to go to the, the store <laughs> but you could catch a chicken and that's free so then uh you know with coconut fish crabs chicken fruit that's a pretty darn good free diet so i'd like to thank any of you who, when you were going to buy something on Amazon, went to my website, BettyInTheSky.com, to purchase something. It doesn't cost you anymore. It supports the show. It makes me really happy. I love to see uh, what people 
buy. And this month, somebody bought Cabin Fever, The Sizzling Secrets of a Virgin Airlines Flight Attendant. Another flight attendant book. Boy, there there are a lot of those, aren't they? <laughs> and uh, someone else bought uh, Star Wars R2-D2 Scarf. That's a Star Wars R2-D2 scarf. Didn't know there was such thing. And another book, uh, Blood, Sweat, and Shame, Confessions of an Ultramarathon Fat Guy. Uh, just a note, a lot of people email me saying they don't see the uh, Amazon ads. And what it usually is, I used to think it was a server issue, but what it usually is is uh, you have your ad blocker on. So if you have your ad blocker on, then those Amazon ads links don't come through. So I... Uh, Turn that off, and then you can go to my website, BettyInTheSky.com. It's all good. Thank you so much. Two couples from the other side from Bungalow 10, and one one from Bungalow 9. And the Bungalow 9 uh, guest was saying, you know what? Angry at you, to me doesn't kill all the chicken because on the other day he told me to kill few chicken few, few roosters we went at night we kill few chicken few roosters around wait wait i guess asked you to kill the roosters so you went and killed the roosters why because were they bothering them the noise yeah and we <laughs> we 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 kill seven we kill seven of the roosters i thought that was the only roosters on this area. And after that, we came down again over here. They are my friends. <laughs> one is a Germany and one is a Sweden. And they was came again over here on the afternoon. Okay, we wait until tomorrow. In the morning, they was came up to me. They was arguing. A chicken underneath my bungalow. <laughs> And the other one said, no, 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 you lie. You Germany, you lie. <laughs> the chicken was in our window. I said, how come the thing is on our window? It's, it's the windscreen over there. Then he kept on telling me, no, the, the Sweden guy. No, the thing is underneath my bed. <laughs> I said, okay. The roosters is far away from the mountain, but all just the voice is loud. Because nothing you can hear in the morning. It's quiet. It's very quiet. If someone makes one small noise in the morning, can the whole island get hear? Every the change of the waves, our roost is gonna show it to us. Because of us, that's the island time of the waves. They say to us the warning. That's a roosters. They're, they're telling you. They're telling you properly the high tide. They're telling you properly the low tide at night. Really? But you actually, if a guest asks you to kill the roosters, you go around and kill all the roosters? That because seems above and beyond. Really. The roosters but actually have a lot of significance because yes. they can actually tell you whether someone is coming. Right, like a guard dog. Like a guard yeah. dog. Guard they rooster. tell you... 10, 15 minutes prior, so when you hear a rooster just go off, like, right. do do sort of thing, you're like, oh my goodness, someone is, must be Doing something. No, but someone is coming home to wherever oh. you are. And 100% guaranteed, someone does turn up. Come on, 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 come on,
Tucky, uh, there's some restaurants, um, but everything basically closes, definitely closes by nine o'clock. There is nothing open after nine o'clock. I mean, there's nobody doing anything after nine o'clock, but uh, I had read and I saw a sign on the road that uh, it was a local bar. It was called a Crusher Bar, and it said it was only open on uh, Friday and Saturday starting at eight to like midnight. And I was thinking, wow, it's the late night place on Atutaki. <laughs> and I was having dinner on the beach, sitting on uh, picnic tables with a bunch of other people at my hotel. There are only 12 bungalows at my hotels. Really, really nice. Anyway, uh, and, and very affordable. Shocking, really, uh, for the South Pacific, which is pretty expensive. So anyway, uh, I'm sitting there with this couple from New Zealand, and I was telling them that I wanted to go to this uh, local bar. And they're like, well, is it safe to go there? And I'm like, well, it seems safe to do a anything here <laughs> like I, there's no locks on anything you know <laughs> and I said it seems pretty safe it's like a five minute walk down the road you know uh I said but you know it might be weird or whatever and it's always weird it's always harder to walk into a bar by yourself and stuff and I said you know I might be back in like five minutes <laughs> well I'd only been on Atutaki for I don't know half a day and I think I'd only told my name to four people. Uh, there was a couple staying at our hotel that I talked to a little bit, asking them, like, you know, how far was it to walk into town? And, you know, what did they like on the island? Because they'd been there a few days and stuff. Anyway, so I timidly walk into this local bar thinking, oh, it looks like somebody's house. You know, <laughs> I was like, I don't know. And uh, I walk in and all of a sudden they go like, hey, Betty. And I was thinking, oh, thank goodness. It was the couple. <laughs> from earlier and I was thinking it's so nice to walk into a place and hear your name hey Betty it's like oh thank goodness and we had a great time uh that couple was like a biker couple they didn't really look like a biker couple but the interesting thing about the bar was that it was owned by uh there was a sign meet the legend <laughs> the owner of the bar it was a musician or is a musician and he had had some uh top 10 hits in like New Zealand and I guess he's kind of famous uh he's now like 70 but uh he was a real character and uh some of the other people told me uh he has 29 children I'm like 29 <laughs> children my goodness it's crazy uh so we got to talking and he, he was being real flirty <laughs> I'm kind of thinking you know I don't I don't uh you know not interested in uh you know 70-year-old uh, legend in the Cook Islands with 29 kids. And uh, I I was asking him to name the children. And uh, he, he really couldn't do it. He, he'd start with the names, and then he'd get to maybe like 10 names, and then he'd get distracted and start telling me about the different women, you know, the mothers of the children and how he really liked this one. <laughs> he was a real character. Anyway, uh, he... Was uh kept saying to me uh, you know why don't we make it even thirty like me have his thirtieth child and I'm like no, <laughs> you know <laughs> wasn't even being subtle I'm like no, <laughs> and then uh I I was still trying to get him to name all the kids and he couldn't and then uh then he says to me um do you mind if I call you Rita <laughs> like no you can't call me Rita <laughs> I was probably one of the women that he liked and he could remember it. 
he also had a boat. He said he had a big boat, and he said uh, he can't really see where the coral is now, so he just runs over it. I mean, he was a character with 29 children. Sorry, I'll just start. So I met the guy that has 29 kids here, and you said there's a guy that has more kids than him? I do guarantee you, we already have someone here locally, and that's still breathing the same air that I'm breathing, and he goes by the name of uh, Ta'iri, but his, um, his uh, FBI name <laughs> is Golden Balls. Golden Balls. Yeah, and he's had like numerous partners and the grand total of all his um, siblings. Are all his kids? Oh, his kids is about 40. 40 kids? 40 kids. And, 40. How, and how old is he? Uh, he's just like turning 45. That's a lot of kids. That's a lot of kids <laughs> so like basically you might have like 80 by the time he's 80. Well, he's got grandchildren already <laughs> and, and uh, Luckily, uh, child support hasn't been established here on our little island because I'm, I'm guaranteed you. He'd be broke. All his money would. Running and, and a, say uh, his nickname again. Golden balls. Golden balls. <laughs> so there's somebody that so has more kids. There's, there's James Bond, Golden Eye. Well, here, here's Golden <laughs> Balls. <laughs> okay, last. Last year I did a trip to Hawaii, up in the front galley, first class passenger comes up and uh, wanted a coffee and I said, oh, I'll bring it to you. And he said, uh, oh, I'll just stand here. So I got a coffee cup and it was kind of ice cold so I stuck some hot water right. in it and swirl, swirling it around. And all of a sudden he says, what are you doing? And I replied, Oh, I'm rinsing it out from the last guy. And he goes, don't you have a clean cup? You were just being nice and warming the cup. So it was so interesting being in uh, Rarotonga and, that, um, and in the Cook Islands. Uh, you know, it's so far removed from Western civilization. There's only like... 14,000 people in all of the Cook Islands. It's sort of like not just traveling to the South Pacific, but going back in time just because uh, they live there like we used to live a long time ago, just because uh, there really isn't any TV. I didn't have TV in most of the time I was there, but it didn't matter because the last two nights I stayed at a place uh, that had a television. <laughs> and I had heard from other people, they had like two stations. One of them, the the audio doesn't go with the picture so it's really hard to watch because they're talk you see them talking but then you hear them talking like five minutes later <laughs> and then there's another station with nothing but uh church stuff so you know that's certainly not gonna interest you know kids or so then you have kids and the internet is extremely expensive and it's you're paying by the use not just you know unlimited and uh it's it was very expensive for a tourist so for a local person it's just totally cost prohibitive. So you don't have TV, you, you don't have the internet, and then uh, people, you know, interact with one another. They, they play games. I mean, <laughs> they they dress up, they wear hats and go, go to church and they sing in church. And um, they, they 
Barry, this was something that was strange to get used to, but the, there's graves in the front yard. So they bury their loved ones in the front yard uh, because the houses stay in the family. You don't sell your house. So you can bury your loved ones in the front yard because, you know, it's still going to be your family there generations to come. And, uh, you know, they don't, if you don't sell your house, so strange. Can you imagine here just burying, you know, grandma in the front yard and then you sell your house and you're like, um, you know, you can't, you got to dig them back up to take them with you. Or do you tell the new people that are moving in, hey, do you mind putting, you know, flowers on grandma's grave, you know, May 18th? <laughs> I mean, it's, anyway, the thing that was so refreshing is that it really was like seeing life how, how it used to be. I was telling people it was kind of like going, I don't know what Hawaii was like 100 years ago, but I have a feeling the Cook Islands now is because it's so not built up or anything. There was a sign one place, uh, miles to McDonald's. It was like, or kilometers, I don't know, it was like 5,000 kilometers to the nearest McDonald's, which, you know, in a way, it's just really nice. a good time in the Cook Islands. I was there for almost two weeks, which is long for me. And uh, I had a lot of time to think, you know, staring out at a beautiful view and not having television and very little internet and things being closed at nine o'clock at night. <laughs> but I also was just so impressed with the way they lived there. And uh, in a way, it's how I thought we would all be living at this point in time, in 2015, you know, living in harmony, uh, without crime, working together as a, a community. And uh, I, I thought that's how, you know, life would be, but it's not. And I guess sometimes you have to fly all the way to a remote island in the South Pacific to see that, you know, we really can live together and be happy and you know they had they seem to have a good government uh without like too much government <laughs> i mean it really it really is sort of a special place really like going back to a simpler time well that's about it for this episode of betty in the sky with a suitcase i hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the world together thanks bye, bye.